Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Y'all ready for the word? We have been in a series called DNA. Say DNA. We've been in a, you're going to have to wake up. We've been in a series called DNA, and we've been talking about what it means to be the church. So when we're talking about DNA, how many of you know your DNA is what makes you, you? Like nobody has the same DNA as you. All of us are different. We're unique. But we believe that as a church, God has called us to be something, right? We talked about walking innocently. We've talked about community. John talked about trust, trusting God fully with everything that we have. And what I want to talk to you about today is living powerfully. Say living powerfully. Living powerfully, no. Living powerfully, like believing God that he has given you the Holy Spirit. Like, this is not this, like, mystical fog. We think of the Holy Spirit as this weird, like, ghost thing that comes. No, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and he empowers us to live out this book. So if you have found Christianity difficult, Maybe you feel this weight of like, man, I just don't feel like a good Christian. Anybody ever felt that way? I'm just not a good Christian. I feel like I'm struggling. I would venture to say it's because we have not relied on the Spirit. We have not allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to do His work inside of us because Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meaning as we walk with Jesus, a yoke is what they would put on a horse to allow it to go different ways and it would pull the carriage, right? And so as we're connected to Jesus, this is not supposed to be difficult. We have made this about this and about that, and you should be good enough. And, and, and we believe in coming to church. I, I believe that when you come to church consistently, we are better people. Like, I believe that as we gather, God does something that just doesn't happen by yourself. I believe that fully. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly, getting together with one another, because he dwells here. But Christianity should not be difficult. Jesus died on a cross and he died so you can be whole. He died so we can receive from him. And part of this gospel, listen, the whole gospel is not about power, but you can't have the full gospel without it. Like we're supposed to walk and be empowered and live this life victoriously. And so what I want to talk to you about is something that I believe is very important. And that's you walking and everything that God has for you. We talked about the cost of following Jesus and about dying to ourselves, and, 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 and sometimes we pay Christianity as this difficult thing. But I want to tell you today, good news, it is a joy to follow Jesus. Maybe you've gone to church and they've beat over your head that you're bad, you're not good, and be better. But it is a joy to follow Jesus. He is good. He is gentle. And when I met him in 2008 as a drug addict kid, he picked me up and he changed me, man. He showed me what it was like to have a dad when I didn't have one. And, he, and this Holy Spirit began to work in my life. And sometimes we, we, we struggle with this tension of, well, I'm just not a good person. Let me, let me ask you a question. What if this had nothing to do with you? Like, what if the good news of the gospel had everything to do with this amazing Jesus and this Holy Spirit, and it had less to do with your deficiencies? So when my wife is up there, here, she, and she's like, I behold you, I behold you, I behold you. Why is that important? Because we become what we behold. That which we fix our eyes on the most. So let me put it easy. If you continually fix your eyes on your deficiencies and your lack and your struggle, you will get wrapped up in that. So sometimes we come to church, we're like, well, let's meditate on Jesus. Like, what does that mean? We're, we're really good meditators. If you've ever been broke, you didn't have money, how many of you stayed up all night thinking about it? Hello, that is meditation. (laughs) 
And we've become really good at meditating on things. And what God does when he comes into our lives is he redirects the meditation. So in the Bible, when it says fix your mind on things above, it's not this like command. It's literally fix your mind, your eyes, your attention on Jesus. And as you do, things begin to work out. And so what I want to talk to you today is in Ephesians 3. I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 3. And we're going to go through this today. And I want to show you some of what Paul was praying over these people, which I believe is important for us today for you to understand, right? We, we need to understand our positioning in Christ. Because a lot of times this book right here, it's, it's, it's divided into two parts. The first three chapters of this book are all about position, meaning who you are when you say yes to Jesus. The, the, the next three chapters, four to six, have everything to do with practice. Now that you have received Jesus, what do you do? And a lot of times we come into church and we want to talk about practice. If you say yes to Jesus, this is what you do. But I want to say to you, it's more important for you to understand your position, what God wants to do in you before you ever do any practice. And so this is not about doing. This is about who you are, what God is doing in your heart, and you allowing him to do that. So this, this is a letter that is written to a church in Ephesus. And Paul came to this church in, in, in Acts 19, and he began to preach the gospel and the gospel was simple. All Paul did was tell his story and talk about this Jesus that died, and literal cities were transformed, man. And so this church, this, this, this place, Ephesus, was an epicenter. It was like, it was like let's say like Tampa. There was 300,000 people. They had all kinds of, it was, it was a port. There was a lot of going in and out. There was a lot of gods that they would worship, a lot of idols. And when Paul came with this message of Jesus, people radically began to change their lives. They began to throw their idols. You can read this. They began to throw their idols in the fire. It was a revival. Like it was a real, genuine move of God that was happening. And in the midst of that letter, five years later, Paul writes this letter to the church of Ephesus. In the middle of God, many people getting saved and all of the cities turning around, he writes them this letter. And I think it's significant for us to understand because I feel like it applies to us today. Because it's really easy for us to come in church and to start getting into doing mode. And well, if I'm a good person, then I should do. And I just want to say you should settle in your heart that you, you're not a broken person and that God wants to touch you. And he wants to make you whole from the inside out. Do you believe that? Like he wants to make you whole from the inside out. And so we don't gather here at church to tell you how bad you are. We gather here at church to paint a picture of this amazing God who is all-sufficient, all-powerful, and he is able the Bible says that everything he has spoken, he is able and faithful to complete it. Meaning if, if God has spoken or if you've read this Bible and something stuck out to you, you heard a message and you're like, it landed in your heart. And if you have not yet seen that word come to pass, God's not done. Last week we were, I was talking to my friend, Boot, he comes to first service. And they were about to rent their house. And the day he rented his house, his toilets overflowed. Like, like the bad kind of water. It was disgusting. And I was eating with him at Tropical Smoothie that day, and I'm like, what, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I can't do anything about it. Like, my house overflowed. Praise God. Like, what are you praising God for poopy water for, bro? Like, praise God for that. He's like, well, here's the deal, man. I know that God is faithful. So it doesn't matter if it costs 10000 5000 3000 God is faithful because I am his son. So it's already taken care of. You understand that shift in mentality? of understanding that though I walk through the valley of the shadow, meaning though I walk through difficulties in life, God goes with me and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. This is the story of the gospel. 
And what the devil would want for you is for you to be caught up in your shortcomings. Well, I'm not this and I'm not that. It's not about you, bro. Your job is to keep your eyes and follow him. That's what John said last week when he was preaching. What if following, being a disciple was just about following Jesus? Could you imagine? If we lived our lives in such a way where we were around people and we, and we got into our secret place with God and we say, Jesus, I don't know what to do about this situation, but what would you do? Think about this. I was thinking about this this week in prayer. What if every response or situation I went through, I would ask myself, what would Jesus do in this situation? How differently we would respond. Somebody honks the horn, cuts me off, what would Jesus do? Now, you know, because all, all these things, I'm the worst. Like, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I'm actually the guy who drives in front of you and go like 30 miles per hour just because I'm letting, allowing patience to produce faith. And <laughs> it's scriptural. But what if like in the everyday interactions of life, the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my kids, I would just step, take a step back and say, what, how would God handle this situation? Because in the midst of everything that God was doing in this, in this place, and it was a lot, Paul writes them this letter. And I want to read Ephesians 3.15. Sorry, we'll start at 14. And Paul, Paul is writing to them, and he says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to God. And then he begins to describe God, God who is the creator of everything on heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. Do you know that you serve a God who is, has unlimited resources? Like he is not broke. He is faithful, and he, he is able to complete so Paul's, he's speaking this to them, that God from his glorious unlimited resources, that he will empower you, meaning that he will give you inner strength. He will empower you from the inside. Oh, I had that scripture back there. That he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So he's praying with them that God's spirit would come in you and that it would, it would cause the foundation of who you are to be firm. And I know that if you've been walking with Christ any amount of time, you feel this, how God has strengthened where there were times where things would happen and you would respond a certain way. But as you walk with God and as you trust him more and more, you begin to see how you respond differently to circumstances, right? It's like, man, you watch a movie. The first time you see the movie, you're like, whoa. But the second time, you already know how it's going to end. So it elicits a different response. And this is what Paul's praying, that the Holy Spirit would come inside of them and that he would strengthen them on the inside and that he would do something in them to become, that they would become mighty by his power. And I know this about me, man. I'm really good at trying to fix things myself. Maybe not you. But my initial response in life when I'm going through situations is for me to try to figure out and then go, oh, God, look at my plan. This is good. Bless it. And what God is challenging me with, even through the scripture, is, man, that we would come to Christ. Instead of coming to him, after we've tried to figure it all out, that we would start there. Like, God, I have this, I have this situation, and I don't know how to respond. Speak to me. And right when I say that, some of you are like, well, I don't hear it. God doesn't speak. And maybe, maybe it might be because we, we wait, like, for 30 seconds, and it's like, I didn't hear anything. Let's move on. But the Bible talks about this, this, those who wait upon the Lord, all throughout the scriptures, those who wait upon the Lord, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these promises, meaning, man, if we were to just linger a little longer and give him time, and we were to just block everything else out, sometimes it's hard to hear God in a room with your phone. Sometimes I'll say, I'm going to spend time with Jesus in the secret place, and I'll turn on worship music, and I'm singing the songs to upper room, and, I, and I'm not listening and what Paul's praying over them is, man, let God strengthen you from the inside. Block everything else out and start from this place. 
So then he goes on and he prays that he would strengthen for him. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. So like as God speaks to him to me, and as I take that step towards him, it could be a little step. You know, man, like back when I first got saved, I'm, God's like, hey, man, stop saying that word. Like lots of four-letter words I had, I had learned through habit. And those were steps of trust, right? Like obedience towards him. And what I learned is the more steps of trust I took towards him, the more residence he took in my heart. Because here's what I know. There are a lot of things fighting for the space in your heart. Companies, all kinds, they, they pay millions and billions of dollars, what, to occupy space in your head, which will eventually lead to your heart. And what God is doing is he's saying, hey, man, as you trust me and as you take steps of faith, and as you, as you get into community and you allow them to speak into you, what will happen is I will make myself, I will make a home in your, in your heart. So when I first moved into my house, we live over there somewhere. No, that way, yeah. Directionally challenged. Thank you, God, for Apple Maps. Um, when I first moved into my house, we moved in there. But there was, a, there was a period of time when we first moved in where it still didn't feel like home. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you can move into a space, but, but once we moved into the space, we changed the carpets, we changed the flooring, we painted it, we put a new kitchen in. And there hit a certain point in that journey where, where it became home. And we need to realize, like as we come to church and as God speaks to us and as we obey him, what happens as we take that journey is he's rearranging what's going on on the inside. When we begin to, to know him in a different way, and we begin to try, he's re, what's he doing? He's rearranging furniture. Where I'm not going to look at life through a lens of fear or through a lens of someone who didn't grow up with a dad. All of that stuff, he's rearranging those things and he's allowing me to see in a new way and he's making his home in my heart. And that just can be difficult for us, man, because we've been led to believe that the heart is a bad thing. And the Bible does speak about Guard your heart and afford flow the issues of life, and it's deceitful. But I want to say to you, man, that when you say yes to Jesus, he makes your heart anew. Do you hear me? Your heart is no longer deceitful. Jesus, he doesn't co-live. We think like, well, why can, I can just keep fear or anger or perversion and allow God into my heart. No, he doesn't want to live with that. And so what he does is he begins to push those things out he begins to push those things out, and he's so gentle, man. John was talking last week about him putting his finger on things, how the Holy Spirit will work, and, and, and he'll speak to you, and it's like you're going through things, and he'll put his finger on something and say, Gio, what about this? How do you feel about that? Like a couple weeks ago, we were praying. I'm going to call you out, Asada. It's all good. We were praying in a circle, and we were in that back corner, and it was the week I spoke on Acts 2, and we were all praying. I had my eyes closed. And we were all just, just asking God to help us. And she began to pray, and she began to cry. She was like, God, forgive me. And she was just, it wasn't anything bad. She's just like, I've just been, and as she started crying, I just opened my eyes and was staring at her. And I was so moved by that moment because the sincerity of the moment. Like, well, well, well I just want to have a God moment or experience. That was a God moment for me. Seeing the sincerity of somebody's heart, saying, God, I don't want to be distracted because I know you're beautiful. I want to be connected to you. What's he doing in that moment? Why the all? Because he was making his home in her heart. And as we open ourselves up and we get vulnerable, we live in a closed world, the most connectedly disconnected people ever. I got 5,000 friends on Facebook, but I got one close friend. That's how we live our lives. 
And we've been taught and told, well, guard yourself and put filters. But what God is doing as he puts himself in your heart is he allows you to open yourself up and he puts people around you who will see you for you. Oh, that's good preaching. So, so allow God to make his home that he would be the center of your life. You get that? It's not putting God on a priority list. Because if I have a priority list and God is first and I have family second and third, it would be easy when pressures come for God to immediately become third place. And this, is, this isn't condemning or to make you feel bad. I'm just saying there's a better way. There's a more excellent way. And it would be that God would be the center. That everything in my life would flow from God. I, I parent my kids from God. And I, and, I, and, I, and I love my wife from God. Meaning I go back to him as my source. Because make no mistake, God will let you do you. First service, I said boo-boo. God will let you do you, boo-boo. He'll like, he will let you. He will let you do you. Until we get to a place where we realize, no, 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 God, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need you. So Paul prays that, that God would make his home in your heart. But then he prays this, that they would grasp God's love on a spiritual level. He says, I pray, let me read it to you. I haven't read it yet. He says, your roots will go down deep into God's love and they'll keep you strong. And that you may have the power to understand. Yeah. You may have the power to understand, as God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And that you may experience love, the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Meaning, this is what this means. That we wouldn't only know God's love here, but that we would know it here. If you've ever been a parent, people would tell me this all the time. You'll never understand what it's like to love your kids until you what? Till you have kids. Like, shut up, man. I love you. Know, I'm going to love my kids. But it's true. When I had Judah, I understood, oh, my gosh. And what God is saying to us is, listen, no matter where you run, how high, how deep, how wide, no matter where you go, God's love is there. I realized in my life there were times where I was in a crack house and God's, he was there. God wouldn't be there. No, I believe he's, he's there more than he's here sometimes. He was there. And it's this inescapable thing where, where we're like, well, we have to fix our lives to come to him. No, he sent Jesus to fix that. So we just come. But what he's praying is that they would have this understanding how wide, how deep, how great God's love is, not just here, but here. And we live in a world that values intellectualism. The smarter you are, the more we respect you. But in this Bible and in this gospel, it's actually opposite because Jesus says, unless you become like this, and he shows them kids, right? The other day we were eating lunch at a table and, and Judah called us. We were eating and Judah's like, we did not pray. Judah's my son. He's five. He's like, we didn't pray. I was like, oh, taco salad down. I said, well, you pray. He went into his prayer. We pray the same prayer every night. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you. And I said, no, no, no. Just pray whatever's, like, just say whatever's in your heart. I didn't know what he was going to do. I'm like, he probably would have started repeating. He goes, Jesus, we love you. You're beautiful, right? Am I lying? You're beautiful. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, started getting emotional because, like, it's, it's sincerity of heart, right? Like, he's not just saying words. Like, he really knows. Like, he tells me at night, Jesus came into my room. And he knows that Jesus is real. What does Jesus do? He redefines what it is to be great. Like, you can have all the knowledge in the world, bro. You could have read this Bible 50 times. But until that truth goes from here to here, you know nothing. And I love you. 
But, but listen, in the Bible, when Jesus came, which came to represent God, the people who were most fit, meaning they had the most knowledge of God, could not see him. They, they could not recognize him. So what God is saying is that this love would move from an intellectual, theological mind thing and it will sink deep down into your heart and it will lead you to experience. That word experience there is not just coming to church, it's that you would have an encounter with God. That God would come and you would have an encounter with him, no matter if it's through a person or whatever, and that it would move to, oh, I don't just think God is good, I know it. See, you can't convince me God's not faithful because I've seen it too many times. There have been times where I've given and immediately he brings it back supernaturally. There have been times where, where we've laid our hands on people. Man, I remember in Mexico, we were in a, we were in a, in a small group and, and I, we were helping disciple people. And these were, these were like drug addict sicarios. Like they killed people for like 50 bucks. It's not a game. And I'm in a circle with these guys and we're describing to them Jesus. Like it's just new. Like in a, in a, in a front porch, in a driveway. And one of the ladies, I'm kind of like zoned out. I, I could do that sometimes, probably like some of you right now. No. And, and one of the ladies says, hey, we're going to, he's like, my ankle hurts. And she goes, hey, Gio's going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. I said, what did she just say? Like, no, 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 you pray. And so I stood up out of my chair, man, in this guy's driveway. And I'm not going to lie, I did not have the faith. Like inside I wasn't like, oh yeah, he's about to get this done. I'm like, Jesus, help me. I need you because like, and I put my hand on that guy's ankle, and I just, I said, God, it was just so, God, I need you in this moment because he can't have an encounter with Gio because this isn't about Gio. He needs to see you. And I put my hand on his ankle. I don't care what you believe. I was there. I put my hand on his ankle, and it began to crack. Like, clack, clack. And, I'm, and I told him, stop moving your ankle because I thought it was the, like his ankle was messed up. He's like, I'm not doing nothing. And now faith began to arise because I'm like, God is doing something. I'm like, yes, that's God. And it's these moments like, you know, in that moment, God met him. He had an encounter that you can never walk away from. If I convince you Jesus is real, somebody can unconvince you. But if you have an encounter with his love and his grace and his mercy, there ain't no, you can't convince me, bro. And what he's saying is as believers, we have to move for there are places that your heart will lead you that your head does not fit. It does not fit. And so God is saying, this, this, Paul is saying to them, this has to move from Jesus being, you know, we, we often come and we see Jesus as teacher, right? Meaning we come to church and we say, Jesus, teach us so we can be better people. But, but we need to have a revelation that Jesus wants to be your friend. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Like, Jesus wants to be your friend. And sometimes we separate, me and my wife, we're having this conversation driving down the road. We're like, sometimes we see God, we can see him as Lord, meaning we know he's there. We know he's all-powerful, but we, sometimes we just don't believe that he's really that interested in us. And we need to get past that. How does that happen? Jesus has to move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. He begins to come in and he begins to, to, to do things in your life and he begins to rearrange and you begin to see, Chucha was talking about this, watching The Chosen. How, how Jesus, he would speak to people what was in their hearts. And, and it was amazing. And Chucho says, you know, I say to myself, can I share this? He say, I say to myself, I want to walk like that. Because if we're Christians, we all want to walk like Jesus did. <laughs> we don't want to walk according to whatever pastor we think is amazing. Jesus is the standard. 
So Jesus, and he says, I would like to walk that way. He said, but the truth is sometimes I know that to walk that way, I have to give things up. He says, and sometimes I'm just unwilling. That's what's keeping it 100 right there. He said, but, but the reality is anything I have to give in comparison to what God wants to give me is worthless. And that's the revelation we need to have. Sometimes I'm in worship, and I know people are like, does it really take all that? No, it doesn't take all that. But I want to give all that. It doesn't take it. God will meet you. But, but, but I want to give it because he's amazing. And so from head knowledge to heart knowledge, this is what Paul's praying to them. And the last thing is this, that they would be filled with God's fullness. Like that all of God would, would encompass all of what they are. I just want to say this to you, man. We live, how many of you know that it would be easy for us to go all the single day being ha something having our attention? I don't wait in line at Starbucks. I wait in line with my phone in my hand. If I'm waiting on a meeting, I have my phone in my hand. If I go home, I don't sit in my living room and I turn my TV on. And there's always something going on. So sometimes we come into places and we're like, God, fill us. And the truth is, it would be really hard for God to fill something that's already full. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Like, I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm talking about all of us. Sometimes, will, will God fill us and do, do whatever you want to do? And God, God is not going to empty you. You have free will. That's how Eve and Adam ate from the tree. And here's the reality. You don't want God to empty you. Because I went through that season in 2008, and I had to hit rock, 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 rock bottom of homelessness to finally find God. <laughs> but what he's saying is, hey, man, why don't you empty yourself, meaning all of the things that you think have to be priority? Why don't you trust me in those areas? Like, why don't you allow me to be your supplier, your strength, your joy, your peace? Meaning, sometimes we don't know what to do. Like, how many of you ever feel like, I just don't know what to do next? Like, well, I have nothing left, so I'm going to go to God. Why don't we start there? Why don't that be a starting place where we say, God, fill us? And it doesn't have to be a super, we, we think it has to be, like, super complicated. Like, I have to have, like, an encounter with, you know, the, the Benny Hinn jacket. <laughs> let, the, let me stop. But sometimes it's just sincerity of heart. Like, happen in that back corner with a soda. And God will meet you in that place. You're like, why well, didn't you get goosebumps? The Bible doesn't say thou shalt have received God when you receive goosebumps. The Bible says that we would, we would have faith, meaning that we would believe in our hearts that, that when we speak, he listens. And so, so Paul prays these things for these people. Why? Because Paul knows that no matter how great the move of God is or whatever's going on or how much ministry is happening because when he wrote this letter there was a lot of ministry happening this this was one of the only churches that paul wrote to that had no rebuke he had nothing negative to write because everything was going good and he began to pray over them but then you read in revelations 2 john writes a letter to the church of ephesus this is 50 years later so paul writes a letter at five years after they had the, the revival meaning god came 50 years later, John writes a letter by the Spirit to the same church. And he says to the church of Ephesus, I say this, I see the thing that you do that you, you know, he's saying all these things. I see that, that you do ministry. I see that you, you discern right and wrong and what God is doing in people. But then he says this, I have this one thing against you. You've stopped loving people and you've stopped loving me. 
The same church who, like, Paul had nothing negative to write against, he's praying over them. I pray that God would become real to you, that his love would become real. Why? Because he knows we have the tendency to make this about doing instead of about being. And this is my prayer for us, man, abide. If this is your first time, I pray this over you, that God would become so real to you. I don't want nothing from you. I want something for you. I never want anybody to come to abide for me. I want people to come here to experience him, to, to come to the realization, wow, God is real, and maybe, maybe I can reprioritize my life a little bit. Even as a pastor, we've talked about the reprioritizing things, man, and making God the center of our lives. So he prays that God wouldn't be at home in them, that, he, that they would grasp his love at a spiritual level, and he prays over them, that he would fill them with fullness so that we would be able to be people of faith. I was, I was watching this video the other day, and it was talking about the, uh, the African Impala. This is a weird place to land, but I just feel it. The African Impala, we went to um, Kruger Park when we lived in Africa, and these things, they jump. They can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet, like, they can jump. They can go. But there's an interesting thing about these animals because they have all these capabilities to do these things, jump 10 feet high, jump 30 feet long. But, but something happens to them because the moment they can't see where their feet are going to land, they stop jumping. It's as if, like, it's as if they lose all confidence and they lose their stride. And I feel like this is what happens to us in the church. We have all these capabilities, all these promises in these books, in this book, you know, there's lots of books in here, and all the, in this book, and we read over them, but yet sometimes because this is called a faith journey, not a no journey, we don't always know where our feet are going to land. And so what happens? We just stay stagnant. And it's crazy because they could be running from a predator, and yet the moment they can't see where they're going to land, they just stop and they'd rather die. And they die. And I'm like, well, dang. <laughs> all that capability and and that's not what I want for us as a people, man. You have been given so many gifts. I don't care how little you think of yourself. God sees a lot, a lot inside of you. And we cannot allow the inability of knowing God to stop us from taking strides with him. Allowing him to lead us to the places where he's calling us. And sometimes we come into church and we're like, well, I don't do, do, do. I'm saying stop. That's just a bunch of do, do. Just, just allow God to lead you. Just follow him one step at a time. And allow people to come alongside of you and, and, and allow him into your heart. Some of us, I feel this strong, man. We, we allow God into our head, but we don't let him into our hearts because we're afraid of what's in there. I just want to say he's a big boy. God's not afraid of your mess. And he just wants to come in and make your heart, your home, everything you ever wanted it to be. And I can say with all confidence today, man, I have never given anything up. I've never looked back at my life at one thing I've given God. No amount of money, no amount of sacrifice, not one time that I don't look back and say I wouldn't give it again. Not once. Because sometimes we're so afraid of giving up or letting him in because of what's going to happen. And you realize that when he comes into that place, it's, so, it's, it's life. Say, well, John 10.10, 10, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. How does that happen? He is life. Well, what will be my reward? He is the reward. He's everything. 
So I want to stand, and I felt led to pray for you today. What I'm going to pray, and when I'm going to pray today, I really felt this. I don't want even want no music. Don't stop coming. Nobody's coming. No music. No. I felt like to really sincerely just pray. And I, and I heard God say this morning, I'm going to show them areas. Areas in our hearts where maybe we can trust him a little better. It's crazy, man. God's been doing an amazing thing in, in, in my family's heart. But I sat in an office with, with my spiritual father for three hours this week. It was the most beautiful thing, God showing me areas and just touching me, right? In places where, where I didn't even know. It's like we come to church, we're like, we've, I've been in church 10 years, I don't need anything. Stop. Just allow him to come and gently touch you in those places and trust him. So I'm going to pray. Let's close our eyes. I'm just going to ask the Lord right now to just speak to you. Maybe just one area of your heart that may have been, may have been hidden, where maybe you haven't let him in yet. Maybe you're hearing you don't even know the Lord in that capacity. You're like, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe, you, maybe today is like you just say yes to him. You just say, God, I say yes to following you today. I say yes to community and not doing life alone. So Jesus, right now, I just pray, God, for every heart in this room, beyond the hype or an emotional moment, that you would speak to us, all of us, me included, God, areas where maybe we've been struggling. Maybe we don't know how to deal with that, God. We ask you to come into those areas. Man, it's just coming into your mind right now. I don't know who you are. There's people that you just feel forgotten by God. And I just want to say God has not forgotten you. And there's nothing you could have done. That's what Paul prays. I pray that you learn how deep, how wide, how long. There's nothing you could have done to fall out of love, for him to fall out of love with you. So, Father, I pray that people would see that today. I pray that over hearts and over minds. God, I pray peace over them right now. God, show us the value of community and of coming together, Lord. And, Lord, I ask for every one of us, every one of us, me included, that that this love would move from my head to my heart. I don't just want to know your love. I want to experience it, Lord. And he'll do that for you, man. He'll do it. He'll do it. Yeah. He'll do that. Just, just sit for just one moment because God's doing something. He'll do that. I love this. Just, just a sincere moment with the Lord. That place of pain, he'll touch it. Yeah. Jesus, I thank you for family. I thank you that you've called church to be family, a place where we can be real and sincere. And I pray, I ask you, God, as, as me and my wife, the leaders of this church, that you would help this be a place where people can be real and sincere and nothing hidden, where we love hard. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. 
that we would understand position before we go into practice, Lord. Jesus. Hey, Cub, you want to come play for a second, man? You know, I, I, I pray if, if you need to leave, I understand, but I just, I'm, we're just going to play music and we're going to let, we're just going to sit in this for just a moment. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything. If you have to leave, that's okay. Maybe some of us just need to sit for a moment and just allow God to speak to us. Maybe you just need to sit and receive peace. The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. And we're so quick to move, move on. But I just, I feel this deep, man. I don't know, maybe you get out of your seat, you come up to the altar, or you sit, I don't care what you do. But, but I just feel this moment where we just sincerely connect our hearts to him. That's how it happens. Those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. So as we wait, his promise is he comes and he touches us. And his touch is so much better than any man. So Lord, we just wait on you. We just wait on you, God. God is real. He's real. He is not this ideology. He is real. And he loves his children, and you are his child. You are his child, all of you. Not just one, or if you're crying, it doesn't matter. He loves you. And you don't need an emotional moment to connect with him. You just need to block everything else out. You know, one of the most difficult things for me when I came to church was I was hurt by the church. There was a lot of baggage there because I was disappointed by leaders and all kinds of stuff. I just want to, I pray for me, but for all of our leadership here, that we would be a safe place to help bring you back to life. Because this is not about abide, this is about Jesus. And so you don't need to withhold, and I'm sorry that happened to you. I repent on behalf of whoever that was. I don't know who that's for, man, but I repent on behalf of whoever that was. And I'm sorry that ever happened to you or was spoken over you. I'm sorry they let you down. 